Deer found her. As you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Deer Found Her podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I am Lindsay Pinchuk, your host, and today is our 99th episode. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation with Raina Campbell. I myself was taking notes and writing down so many takeaways when I re- when I cut this episode just now. I haven't listened to the conversation since we had it earlier this summer, and there are so many incredible takeaways and so much incredible knowledge. She's going to tell you all about how she started her podcast, Dreams and Drive, as a side hustle. It's still a side hustle. And how she's reached a million downloads. She will walk you through the process. It is incredible. You do not want to miss this conversation. If today's conversation inspires you, I want you to share it with a friend. Share it on social media. Tag me. Tag Raina. I'll come say hi, and I'm pretty sure she will too. You're going to also want to make sure to... Tune into Dreams and Drive, which is Raina's podcast. It can be found on Spotify and Apple Podcast as well. Leave us reviews, subscribe to our shows. All of the conversations that I have and that Raina has on her show, they are so important for people to hear, to motivate themselves, to get themselves moving, and really just to share the knowledge of what it means to start a business and to dream big. When you do these little things like share the episode or rate or review the podcast, really helps us to spread our knowledge and our wisdom. It helps the community to grow. And most important, it helps me to spread our mission to support as many female founders as we possibly can right here. I know you have a lot of choices when it comes to listening to podcasts, and I cannot thank you for being here and for helping Dear Founder to reach 99 episodes. So in a minute, I'm going to have you come on in and meet producer, storyteller, and marketer, Raina Campbell. She's the founder and tr- chief dream driver behind Dreams and Drive, a platform that helps millennial creatives learn how to take their dreams from park to drive. In just six years, Raina grew the platform to over 300 episodes, a million downloads, and she streams in over 80 countries. Prior to working on Dreams and Drive full-time, Raina worked as a marketing specialist helping her clients and employer learn from learn how to build and nurture their sales pipeline. Raina has been a long lifelong storyteller and is committed to sharing others' others' journeys of success. She currently is a marketing manager at Paramount's branded content studio, Velocity, where she helps build brand partnerships, programs for top brands. She is a 2013 graduate of Princeton University, and she has a bachelor's degree in sociology. She is amazing. You are going to love her. I just know it. So please come on in and meet the incredible Raina Campbell. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I am so excited about today's guest, Raina Campbell, who I met because I was on her podcast. But when I was on her podcast, she disclosed right away that she had been a part of Bump Club. And 
there was nothing like I that nothing warms my heart more than hearing that and hearing how my past has helped others and how my present is helping others. And Raina and I just totally connected. And I am so enthralled with the side hustle that she's built and the amazing podcast that she has. You're going to love hearing from her and love hearing about her. But her podcast, Dreams and Drive, Dreams and Drive has been downloaded over a million times. So Raina, welcome to Dear Found Her. Thank I'm, you, Lindsay. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so happy you're here. And I do also just want to say, because I love this bit about you, Raina is also a Princeton University grad, so <laughs> we're not messing around here. Okay? It's funny, you know, just just sprinkle that in there at the end, right? <laughs> I I mean, of course, like, you know, I, I'm sure I'm going to, when I go back and tape your your intro, I will mention that too. But I mean, that is just impressive in and of itself. So I wanted to make sure to note that because you are not messing around. You are hardcore. So thank you. That's I mean, that's a big thing. It's funny don't because sometimes me. I underestimate, like, you know, when you like, it's kind of like when you have a gift, and you don't realize it's a gift, right? Like when you have gone to a place like that and you're just so used to that being your normal, you just forget that. Wow. Like it is, it is like, it's been like number one in the, in the country for however, however many years. I don't know if it's number one still, but when I went there, it was number one. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I, I did go to Princeton, right? Like, it's one of those things where you don't want to brag, but at the same time, like, I'm proud to say it and I always say it. All right. So Raina, I want you to kind of take us back. Tell us about Drink and Drive and tell like, what is it? Why did you start it? How did you start it? What do you do to give us the goods? All right. So Dreams and Drive really is, it is kind of like the end, the last thing on this road after college, right? When I graduated from Princeton, I kind of thought I would have this big media sales job. I'd interned at CBS for four years while in college through this program called the Emma Bowen Foundation um, that partners minority students with media companies during their time in, in the summer. And so I kind of thought that, all right, I interned at this job. They should just give me a job, right? But the thing was, I never actually applied for any job. So I don't know what, you know, that was kind of this dream that like, Raina, if you wanted to work there, you should probably apply for jobs. So I ended up having this fellowship uh, in New York City following graduation, did that for a year. But my heart has always been in media. So I'm like, you know, I'm in New York City. Let me try to immerse myself in the media world. I started writing for some freelance uh, magazines, um, writing for some like online online magazines, doing freelance work, networking in the beauty fashion space, and started to build this little tribe. Um, I ended up switching jobs. So my year fellowship was over. And I started working in marketing and realizing that like, I like branding, I like marketing, I like storytelling, but I didn't really know where that was going to take me. And so I had this like online brand at the time called, you know, Raina Campbell, I'll help you shine in your professional and personal life. Like I was trying to figure out what is my thing. And I had started this uh, series called Br uh, Brand Makers on my, on my website, RainaCampbell.com. And I would just interview people, but I would like do it and then write up the interviews and post it online. So this had to be like 2014 and 2015 when blogging was the thing. But for me, I was doing these really intense and I thought valuable interviews, but I felt like people weren't really reading them, right? Like nobody wanted to read like 1500 word interviews at the time. And I had started to listen to some podcasters. Uh, at this time, my favorites were Lewis Howes. Do you know Lewis Howes? Have you heard I of don't. him? I don't. 
Okay, he had this this podcast called The School of Greatness. Um, John Lee Dumas, uh, Entrepreneur on Fire. And I'm like, you know, these guys are doing it. Like, I can, I can do a podcast. I'll never forget this guy that I had on my podcast, Nate Hope Sapple. I don't know what he's doing now with his life. But he said to me, and I had mentioned to him that I wanted to do a podcast. And he was like, so what's stopping you? There are people out there who are a lot less smarter than you who are out here doing things. So what's stopping you? And it was like, I'll never forget, it was August 2015. It was like a light bulb went off my head. And I'm like, wait, what is stopping me, right? And there really wasn't anything stopping me. I didn't know anything about podcasting, but I put a date on it. And I said, by January 1st, 2016, I will launch my podcast. And I spent that summer, I spent that fall, like researching, building the brand, figuring it out. And it's like all my past marketing experience and blogging experience and media experience all came into play with building the podcast. Uh, And so I launched on January 1st, 2016. And my thing was always interviewing people, right? Like I always loved learning about people's stories. And I remember when I was trying to figure out the name for the podcast, at first it was called No Parking. And I was just playing around in, you know, GarageBand, like playing around, like what's going to be my line. And I said, hey, my name is Raina Campbell and I'll help you put your dreams in drive, right? And I said, wait, I should call the podcast Dreams and Drive. And that's kind of how Dreams and Drive came into place. And I used all my marketing contacts and branding contacts, media contacts in like the first 20 episodes to kind of get guests, right? Because you always want to leverage your relationships, um, people that you know, people that you've worked with. And so it really was just in the beginning, me doing what I always had done now, but like having a platform and having this... um, Like I was really excited about the building phase and also to know at this point, it was 2016 and I feel like the podcast space wasn't yet so saturated, which I think is very important, right? Like there wasn't every celebrity in the mama having a podcast, right? You know, like it was really like the people who were independent podcasters were really out there trying to like get into the community so that's how I grew podcasts. I'm really focused on millennials like myself, people who wanted to like put a dream of theirs into motion. And I was just interested in how people built brands that I love, right? Like I had one of um, my early guests was Mahisha Dellinger. She has this company called Curls, right? I've interviewed her. Oh, you have Mahisha? Yeah, she's been on Dear Found Her. Yeah, I think she was episode four and like- She's amazing. I just loved her story, right? And it was one of those things where, hey, I have this unique platform where I can leverage it to, of course, get stories that inspire other people. But for my personal satisfaction, I get to now build relationships with people who I've always admired. So, okay. I want to point out that Reina works also. Okay. So, and, and, and I want you to tell us what you do as well, because I think it's important to note this one. It is a lot of work to start a podcast and maintain a podcast. So that is like the first thing. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, but you do work a nine to five. So I would, and it might even be more than a nine to five. So I would love for you to share with us what you do as well. Yeah, so at the time when I started the podcast, I was working in marketing at an e-commerce fulfillment company um, called Dotcom Distribution, and I had I didn't know anything about e-commerce fulfillment, but I I jumped into the industry and I was working in marketing, doing that for I worked there from 2014 to 2018, and then in the summer of 2018, I decided that hey, I want to go out on my own and just kind of put everything into dreams and drive in my 
full freelance business. So from 2018 to 2021, I was working for myself, building the brand, doing, you know, odd jobs, kind of just, I felt like at that point, I was full-time with Dreams and Drive, but I wasn't really building it full-time, if that makes sense. I was doing so many other things at the time. And then I got a full-time job at Paramount, formerly Viacom CBS, and I work in their branded content studio called Velocity. And so I work on branded partnerships for our cable networks with, uh, you know, top tier Fortune 100 brands. So, you know, MTV and Pepsi and all those cool brands that you see on the VMAs and across Nickelodeon, all that, all those brand partnerships our content studio pitches, creates, and then executes them. So, so you're also you're also a mom. Yes, and I didn't get to say that. Okay. So the reason why I decided to go back into the working world was, you know, 2020, I had a son. And for the first six months, of course, I love being home with him. I love having that time with him. But it got to a point where, like, being a new mom, thinking about where's my next paycheck going to come from, right? Having this business at that the time, I wasn't really 100% sure what I was doing with it. I felt like the job provided me security. And at the same time, it allowed me to build skills, right? And it wasn't like it was a job that was totally out there from what I wanted to do. It was partnerships and marketing, which if I learned how to do at a corporate level, right, I could really apply those skills to dreams and drive. And the one thing I want to know is that they wanted people who had outside passion. So they knew that I had a podcast. And they didn't see it as like um, a competition to what I was doing at work. It was kind of like your experience will help enhance what we can do with our partners. So I was seen as a valued candidate. And I like that about the company. So, okay. I don't like the word balance like at all. Yeah. At all, because I don't believe in balance. But how do you manage having this major podcast, working at Paramount, and being a mom, among other things. Those are just three of the of the roles that I'm in the hats that I'm sure you wear. How do you manage? So let's talk podcast first. I think the thing that has helped me is I had a strong foundation of what the podcast was before having this job, right? So I had like a workflow. I had I kind of know like each week what needs to be done with the podcast. And it's a simple enough, and I'm saying this business, right? It's a simple enough business model that you need an audio, right? So you need to put out an asset every week and you need to either put out your ad reads and your podcast and do your guest outreach. So I had that model down packed. So it was just more so of making sure that I had the systems in place so that I was able to put out a, a podcast every week. Um, and then when it comes to like the work, I think because I had those systems in place, I could really dedicate my nine to five time to my job, right? I didn't really have to think about, all right, I got to do podcast stuff now. Like I had had a system. Okay, I only record at this time. I do editing at this time. So it really was separate from the job. And for me, what I realized is I work better when I have structure, if that makes sense. Like when I had too much time to be doing Dreams and Drive, that's when I felt like it wasn't, like I wasn't as effective or as efficient. So those years when I was doing Dreams and Drive full-time for me personally, was a little chaotic because I was also interested in all these other things. And I really wasn't a hundred percent focused, although I thought I would be, I just personally didn't have that mindset of, all right, strictly want strictly dreams and drugs. I wanted to do everything. Like I wanted to try this. I wanted to be this. I wanted to be that. Like I was really exploring what I, what my passions were at that point. And then with the mom, like, like, you know, Lindsay, there's no balance. 
there is no balance with being a mom. I think having a strong support system has helped, like, you know, his dad having a good partner. Um, but at the same time, like my parents, shout out to grandparents. If you're able to have like parents or people who help watch your child, just knowing that I didn't have to have that daycare or not daycare, I didn't have to manage having him in the house while I also have my nine to five, while I'm also trying to manage, just gave me some free time to myself so that when I am with him, I'm focused on Axel. I'm focused on being a mom. So I kind of had to compartmentalize my life in a little bit. Like, all right, here's job time. I know he's going to come home at four o'clock. Let's be efficient. Motherhood has taught me efficiency. Of course, no balance, right? But there's ways to be efficient and there's ways to plan and organize your time so that you can try to get stuff done. I say try because everything doesn't always happen. I know. Yeah. So you talk a little bit about, you talked about systems and I am a huge believer in systems. You know, I always say when people come to me for help with like social media content, social media strategy, I always say like what you put out is 50% of it. And it's the system you put into place to manage that and to get it out efficiently and to squeeze every bit of juice out of that lemon. It's the system that is really going to propel you forward. And that's, I think, the problem with most founders, especially in their marketing, is that there's no systems in place and they're flying by the seat of their pants. So I'd love for you to touch a little bit upon these systems that you utilize, especially for your podcast. And how, what is your recommendation to get to a good place where you have a good system? Like, where do you start? I think that could be very overwhelming. I think the first thing that you have to do is you really have to sit down and think about your workflow. Like what's all the steps that you need in order for something to happen? So I had to sit down and kind of say, all right, from start to finish with guests, I guess it starts at like guest outreach all the way to post episode promotion. What are all those small steps? And take that time. It might be a little overwhelming at first, but just visually seeing all the steps will help you be clear on everything that you need to do, right? And then for me, it really was like, all right, what are parts of these steps that I can kind of, um, what's the word, not maximize, but like use technology to be more efficient. So for example, even with booking your show, we both have like calendar systems, right? I used to manually like, be emailing people back and forth. Hey, what time works? What time works, right? Nope, I use a calendar system. I have a little form that people can input their bio, their, um, you know, their photo, all the information that I need. Like I had to figure out what those small efficiencies could be within, within the steps just so that I was taking back my time. And even something that I love, and it's a system that's like a Gmail add-on, it's called Streak. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's I like, haven't. It's a CRM system, but it plugs into your Gmail. And basically what it does, what I, what I use it for is you can track. It's really for like sales prospecting. But whenever I reach out to guests, I'll put them into like a funnel that like tells me what part of the what, what part of the pitch phase are at. Are they like pitch where I reached out? Did they say yes? Am I waiting to respond to them? I had to kind of get that stuff scheduled. So I love that about Streak. And another thing I love about Streak is you can have like um, auto emails. So I basically just type in a, a hashtag and it'll populate a pitch email for me, right? So I have a pitch template. I send to a guest, I customize it, but I'm not there like making new pitch templates every time I'm trying to reach out to a guest. 
So that's something very simple, right? This is great for me, honestly. Like, I mean, I have like, you know, a little like a note on my computer where I copy and paste, but I have a CRM system for another part of my business. And I'm, this is like provoking me to look into putting this into my podcasting as well. You know, it's just really helpful, like to see like, okay, which guests did I not hear from or which ones are now like in interview, which interviews have already happened. It's kind of just a real, a nice visual way for me to see everything. Um, The part of like, when it comes to editing, I will say, I'm going to be honest here. I just now hired an editor, right? Where Good for you. I think that if I had done that earlier, that would have been another or another step that would have taken, that would have like saved me so much time. But the thing about me is like, I personally love editing and I kind of see that as like my me time and being able to sit with the audio. And I feel like listening to interviews helps you become a better interviewer. So um, that's a part of the system that I kind of had to just put on autopilot now. And I just send it to my editor and she's able to help me. Well, we just, we just started working together. So hopefully that works out because it'll be a great help. Um, and I'm thinking about post-production. I think the biggest thing for me, although like I'm not automating everything, it's just having that checklist of what needs to be done. So I'm not thinking about it, right? Like I know once an episode is, you know, uploaded to my hosting provider, I now need to like download the social media graphics and schedule this stuff. So for me, it really was just like, you need to organize your time and make sure that you have some kind of, I learned this from my fulfillment life, standard operating procedures, SOPs, right? Have a standard operating procedure for whatever you're building. And that's going to help you be on track and also make sure that if one day you need to outsource, you already have the steps in place for someone else to do it. It takes some time, but it's so helpful. It's December and you know what that means. The holidays are here. And like always, dear founder and Lindsay Pinchuk, we are here to support you in all of your gift giving needs. Please make sure you head over to lindsaypinchuk.com for our giant female founded holiday gift guide. And this year is a little bit different. Almost every single gift, 75 of them are under a hundred dollars. You're also going to want to make sure you enter to win an American Express gift card worth $250 to help you with all of your shopping needs this season. Happy holidays, everyone. The advice that you just gave, I want everyone who's listening to note, take note of that advice. And if you have to go back and re-listen to it, then do that. But it is probably the number one piece of advice for founders and entrepreneurs that has ever been said on this show. And I, and I, and I mean Thank that you. because not enough people, and I'm guilty of it to some extent. I ha- I do have systems in place, of course, but there are different parts of my business now that I've added that I don't have the systems down pat yet. And when you have a system in place and it's written down to Raina's point, when it comes time to hiring someone to help you, you don't have to really do anything except for give them that process. And it is the smartest way to build efficiency and the smartest way to be able to delegate. Delegation, that's something so that, that's so important. And it's funny because I learned that this is where I think having like a full-time job or having experience before becoming a founder can be very helpful is working at an e-commerce fulfillment company. Although I was working in marketing and just getting new clients, like I saw what it was like to onboard a new client in a fulfillment company, as you might know, like from working with products, right? Like it's not as easy to ship you your products as you think, right? 
So having everything detailed was what separated good performing e-commerce companies versus e-commerce companies who were just like operating with no type of process whatsoever. So definitely learn that while having a full-time job. So Raina, a million downloads is a lot. I mean, it's a, it's really a lot. How, how did you get there? Like what strategies do you use to market your podcast? And I know you've been around for a long time. We're going to talk about that in a minute as well, but that's a lot. So let me, hold on. Congratulations. I mean, really and truly. It's funny because I'm like, I think the best way to talk about this is like to look at the podcast. I have like a list of all like my podcast episodes. So I can kind of just, okay. So in the beginning, like when you're starting a podcast, for me, it was starting with people that I know because number one, like they're your friends, they're your advocates. They want to see you succeed, right? It's easier to reach out and build like momentum and community. And that's probably the first thing is building a community. Like I knew in my head that I needed to have an email list, as you know, from Bum Club, right? You need to have an email list. You need to build community. You need to like have some bigger mission that people want to buy into and then use that. I think I had a catchy enough name, like Dreams and Drive. It was very obvious what you get from listening, right? Dreams and Drive. I'll tell you how to put your dreams in drive. You'll hear how people have put their dreams in drive. So the first like 10, 20 episodes were like really just focused on who do I know? And then who can they share? Who can they like, what are their communities? And then how can I tap into their communities? At the same time, you don't want it to just be the same people that you know that you're interviewing, but they have to kind of be in a a different sub segment, right? I had a friend who was a DJ who was like our second or third guest. He's my friend, but he's a DJ. So that means his friends are into music, but those aren't my friends. Right. Right. So you have to kind of think about, all right, now I can tap into the music community, the music millennials, um, beauty millennials, and just kind of riding that wave. Um, I was really big on also in the beginning doing a lot of guest interviews. So media is a little bit different. Like, of course, you can do ads, but word of mouth marketing is always going to be your friend. So getting that word of mouth marketing, getting on other people's shows, you know, going in Twitter chats, kind of getting my brand out there. I learned that because I was a host, I had to kind of build the Raina Campbell brand too, likewise. And then I think the the first turning point for me was August 2020, because I have a lot of August. I don't know why, like August has been this reoccurring theme uh, for me, but August 2016, I got featured on Apple Podcasts homepage. And that was major, like back in 2016, it still is major, but like getting that big feature um was huge and just you know was that a surprise or was that like that was intentional like I had worked on I'm somebody who I will I will reach out to Beyonce's team if I have their email right like I don't see status as a reason why I can't email you right oh, I agree but did I you did, reach out to Apple yeah so I was really big LinkedIn listen if you're a founder LinkedIn should be your best friend because LinkedIn is I feel like a very slept on social media network I love LinkedIn. I like typing in names and saying like CMO, Apple, like who's the CMO at Apple, Apple podcast, who's running Apple podcast, right? Um, and at that time, it was this guy, I forgot his name now, but um, I just started a, like a LinkedIn message thread with him, told him about what I was doing. And he was like, all right, well, let me know when you have a really good episode coming up. And then I had this episode with like this husband and wife, like chef team that had a, a bread and breakfast in Jamaica, you know, it was summertime, you know, it just aligned and it worked. 
And that was a podcast that like took my, you know, that was an episode that took my podcast from maybe let's say a hundred downloads where I like had my first like thousand downloads plus episode. So for me, just having those different like moments, right. And being able to build on partnerships um, and also making sure that I was like also reaching out to guests who had larger communities because it, Although my podcast wasn't like huge at the time, I was still an avenue that people could tell their stories to an audience that they hadn't reached before. So you really had to become good at like selling yourself, as you know, as your background and, you know, journalism and in the sales side, like you have to sell the value of your platform, even if by like definition, you don't have the numbers that showcase typical value to people. Well, and I also think like, yes, and I'm so that makes total sense. And the way that you have built your podcast is the way that I am building my podcast. And so it makes total sense. Relationships. It's all relationships. And, you know, and I have to say one of the things that you said, and you didn't like fully come out and say this, but I'm going to say this because you implied this Mm. is that you use your guests to build other guests. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yep. Yeah. You know, and that, but that's how, and that's how I built Bump Club. Like I used my partnerships to build other partnerships. Right. So, like, you know, now when I'm going after a big name guest, I drop like three or four of the big guests I've had on my podcast. And they're like, oh, you're legit. They don't care about my numbers because they, they're enthralled that I've had X, Y, and Z on the podcast. And so, well, of course I want to be on that show. And so it's getting good at, to your point, being confident enough to sell yourself. Yeah. And I also had to like leverage like things that, you know, people like, like, you know, getting some press features and saying, oh, I've been on this podcast, just showing credibility. I think that's the word too. Like guess when, guess when I know you're credible, it's not always about how large your platform is and just leveraging. So for me, I was still writing on the side. Right. And so I asked my editor, which was like at the time I was writing for this really big, like black woman site called XO Nicole where my editor was pitching me these big interviews, right? That I was doing for the pod, for the, for her, I'm not her podcast, for her website. But I said, hey, you know, can I use the audio from the interview and use it on my podcast? And she didn't care because I was writing a separate story for the website. So now I was able to have, like, I had like Yolanda Adams, a big gospel artist on my show because I also interviewed her for Exo Nicole. So I also had to, you have to be strategic. You have to really think and be like a grassroots guerrilla marketer, especially if you aren't investing a lot of money in ads or you're not like, you don't have a huge marketing budget. Like there are still ways to grow organically that is important. And then another thing that I think is important that you said earlier, early on, you said you talked about, you know, when you started your podcast, it was before it was saturated and it was before every celebrity has a podcast. And something <laughs> I want to say about that is like the longevity game is real in podcasting. And when you go onto podcasts and you search for certain things, you will get things that haven't, you will get podcasts that haven't dropped episodes in years come up. And you have not left the game. You have been yeah. there and you have continued to be there. And consistency is key. And I and I and I think it's very important to say this because you could have the biggest celebrity in the world doing a podcast and yeah, it might be you know successful whatever that might mean for them, but it might only be 10 episodes because they've gotten bored. That's so interesting because I was just talking to uh, one of my hosting providers. He like sat down and we were having a conversation about podcasts and ads. 
And he was like, continue, because the long game is really real. And you have these celebrities are coming in, they're doing like these limited sponsored series with these brands to make money for a short amount of time. And then it's done. Right. But your brand is unique because like it's living on. And I always tell myself this when I get discouraged year three, right? Year six of Oprah's career journey. She, she was still in the newsroom. Right. And imagine if she said, Oh my gosh, I'm still an anchor at this small station in Chicago. Like think about where she is now. And I, I tell that to myself, like I'm only year six into this journey and you know, I'm 31 now. Like it's, there's so much more life ahead of me that you don't know where this will take you. Right. Like I remember when I first started the podcast, I told myself, I want to be the Nike of inspiration. Dreams and drive is just going to be one arm, right? Like I have dreams and drive films. I have dreams and drive this, right? That was the big vision that I had. And right now I only have the podcast, but I don't think big dreams have to be executed in short amount of time. That makes sense, right? Like, yes, this journey. And this is why, you know, I call it the dream driving journey it can have multiple stops. Right. And it's not something, and that's what my guests tell me, like the biggest thing that they said like that has been a hindrance to their own growth. It's not the tactical stuff. It's the mindset stuff because you can figure all that ish out, right? Like you can figure out how to get more ads. You can figure out how to get more listeners, but can you figure out how to motivate yourself every day to sign on and keep doing it? Even when you don't see the the success that you might want at the time. So that's really what I've told myself. Such good advice. I mean, it's, and and that's, it shows in what you've done and what you've accomplished, you know, and, and you are still so young. I mean, and you know, I'm only, I'm 12 years older than you, 10 years, 10 years older than you, 11 years older than you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I always forget how old I'm <laughs> because of the pandemic. Yeah. I'm 11 years older than you. And, you know, and I feel like I still have a lot, a lot ahead of me, you know? And so like to be in it for the long game, I think is such great advice because it doesn't happen overnight. And you said to me before we hopped on that you were okay with the amount of money that the podcast is bringing in right now. And so I'd love for you to kind of talk about how you've monetized the podcast because you do have this other job. You have a full-time real gig going on. And so like, what does that mean to monetize dreams and drive? Yeah. So, you know, in the beginning, like there's different revenue streams and I did a lot of testing and where I ended up really, I think is a factor of my relationship building, but we'll get to that. So, you know, I'm like, maybe I should be like a consultant. Maybe I should do like podcast consulting right for people. So I was doing like marketing podcast consulting fee in the beginning and you know, I was having these one-off mentoring coaching sessions. And for me, that model just like wasn't working. And mind you, it's a long game. So I really wasn't really monetizing the podcast until about two, three years ago, because what happened for me was I was studying the industry. And I realized that a lot of these top networks and top podcasts were being run by agencies, right? So as you know, the agencies are out there They have the relationships with the clients. They get their podcasters. And now they have this network that they're buying ads in bulk that are then being spread across all the different podcast networks. So I was trying to figure out, all right, agencies for small podcasters. And 
you know, a lot of them are like, you don't have enough numbers, right? Your, your numbers aren't high enough. Like, you know, we need 10,000 plus downloads an episode. I'm like, oh, I'm not there, right? I have a lot of episodes because I have over 300 episodes, but I'm not at that 10,000 per download, 10,000 down, downloads per episode mark. But you have to plant seeds. Plant seeds even if you don't have the soil yet. And I, and I say that because I'll never forget, I was on jury duty. And like, I wasn't called. I'm sending an email, right? I'm like, there was this guy named Gary. And I'm like, all right, let me let me have a phone call. With, I want to have a phone call with Gary. Just tell him about the show. And I'll never forget, I was in like the basement of um, the North Municipal Building Courthouse in North New Jersey, you know, typing away to Gary. We had a phone call. And he was like, you know what? I don't have anything yet for you, but reach out to me. You know, reach out to me. Keep me updated. When someone tells me to keep them updated, I'm like, okay. I'll keep you updated. So I always send Gary a note every few months. Hey, Gary, here's what the podcast is done. We'd love to know if, you know, you ever want to work with me. And so Gary must have believed in me. and He must have believed in the show. And he also is building a, a network of multicultural podcasters. So his thing is like he sells ads for a multicultural podcast. And he added me to his roster of shows. And because like I wasn't looking to make like tens of thousands of dollars from each episode, he started me like earlier. All right, I'll give you one pre-roll, one mid-roll, McDonald's, right? Eight weeks. Okay, Gary, that that money, you know, four episodes per month was enough because I still had a job and like I didn't necessarily need to be making $10,000 for my podcast, right? And he bumped it up. All right. Two mid-rolls. And for people who don't know podcasts, that's just like ads that you hear in the middle of an episode. Two mid-rolls. And now we're adding in, um, we're adding in this tamp- tampon company. Okay, right? And so it really was like, he started giving me more, um, he started giving me more podcasts and more ad reads within my episodes. So it was a mixture of relationships, right? Playing the long game. And then also knowing what your number is, right? Everyone has a number. Like, what's the number that you're trying to hit? And then how can you hit that number and not have to, like, stress yourself out about it, right? Like, I was able to make per episode, like, what I would have to make for, like, three consulting sessions, right? And all it was was just a 30-second ad that I was placing, you know, in editing. Like, so for me, it just was less work and made more sense. And then also, I just realized that, like, what if I had given up, right? What if I had said, this is not going to work, and I had just stopped? And also knowing, like, there's money out there, right? Because strategically, brands don't always want to advertise on just top-rated shows, right? They want to get to niche communities. So brands have budgets to get to niche communities, even if your numbers aren't that high, if you're not at the benchmarks that these top agencies want, there might be an agency out there with a big budget that is just looking for niche podcasters, just like yourself or whatever your company is. So like, for me, it was finding out like a no isn't a no, it's just a way to get to a yes and understanding what will turn that no into a yes. So a lot of my success has been strategic thinking, a lot of guerrilla marketing, and a lot of like, how do I leverage relationships to understand how to make money in, I don't want to say unconventional ways, but unconventional processes, right? Because I didn't go to a top agency. I found a niche agency that still had budget that was also building his own repertoire, right? And his own brand credibility. So it's like teaming up with people who are on the rise. 
I heard this um, quote that says like, you don't always have to network horizontally. You can't, not horizontally. You don't always have to network vertically, right? Network horizontally. The people who can rise with you. Those are who you want to like latch onto in those beginning days and your growth days. Love it. I love all of that advice. And I, so my, I have a follow-up question to that. Okay. And that is, have you found that be, like when Gary started putting these ads through his network on your podcast, did the ads lead to other ads? Like when, when advertisers, I find when advertisers see their competitors places, they also want to be there too. And, or they, you know, if someone sees McDonald's, then it could, it's like, oh, well, McDonald's is running on Raina's podcast. So like, that must be legit. So like, did you see that happen? And have people approached you outside of the ad network for ads? So that's the thing. I will be honest. I think because I kind of like outsourced the agent, like outsourcing the ads just from time, I'm not out there like proactively reaching out for partnerships. So it's really just like what he's serving me for ads. But I will say for my own brand credibility and my own like media kit, like I now can say like, if I were to go out and pitch ads on my own, I have a whole repertoire of like 10 to 12 brands I've already worked with. So I feel like I don't have to sell them. I can show them the reads. I can show them the episodes and they, they don't have to know how much the brand's paid, right? But right. they can know that they ran, right? And they're still there. So I think, I realized though, and I said this year, 2022, I don't know if it's because he's growing. It's kind of like, I have to say, Gary, yeah, I can't have 10 minerals, right? Like I can't have 10 ads. We have to kind of have some balance here. So now it's kind of like, I think his business is growing as well. And so he's trying to figure out how many ads are we getting, you know, maybe spreading across mid-roll, pre-roll and post-roll. So throughout the episode. And the only thing where I'm navigating now is, you know, my hardcore Dreams and Drive listeners did not experience Dreams and Drive with ads, right? And that's the thing with audio too, where people don't always want to hear the ads. But I've had to kind of educate my listeners that like this is a form of growth, right? And I want and you this to- allows you to keep going. Yeah, like and of course when you watch like streaming networks, you're not like, oh my god, an ad. I'm not watching Paramount Plus ever again, right? Like, but you know that's just now a part of your listening experience. So I just had to kind of like let them know like this just means growth. The content's still going to be good, but I have ads now. And that's just, that's the revenue model. If you guys want to see me grow, you got to accept that. (laughs) It's so funny that you say that because I have had Hulu for a long time and I, my, my package must've changed because I never had ads (laughs) and I'm watching, I'm watching Handmaid's Tale last night. And all of a sudden there's an ad and I'm like, (sighs) where did this come from? I paid for this. And I was like so annoyed because they didn't educate me that that was going to happen. No one prompted me. No one sent me an email that like your package is now pushed to the bottom and you have to pay more for, I mean, I don't know that I would at this point. Yeah. I only you know, but I think it's amazing that you take the time to educate. And I think it's important when you have a community. Yeah. Like they want to know that you're not like you didn't sell out. Right. I think in the podcast community, like they, they feel connected to you. So I think you have a, as a host just can say like, hey, your, your listening experience with now involve ads and that's just the evolution of the company. If you guys want Dreams and Drive to keep going, just support. And I also try to make sure there are companies that like are in line with what, you know, our Dreams and Drive values are. So I, and I always make the ad reads relatable to, you know, what my, what, what my audience wants. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. We talked a little bit before we got on here about your your job and the podcast, and we've talked a little bit here about managing everything and how that's yeah. possible. But how how do you know if there's a time where you pick one or the other, and do you, or do you just continue operating like this? Like what? And I and I ask this from a place of there are so many founders out there who do start their company as a side hustle. And then they have to make that determination if they're going to move forward. I know I reached that crux a year into bump club. Yeah. And how does that work? Yeah. I think it's really thinking about like, what do you want your company to grow to? Right. And I think right now how dreams and drive is set up, there are no, I'm not necessarily scaling. Does that make sense? Like yeah. there's no real scale as of now to like venturing out into like video and having other products and all that stuff where the team hasn't grown and I think I'm at a like a neutral stage so in dreams and drive we have park reverse neutral drive where I'm trying to figure out like what is it like I remember when I first started I did have a vision this big dream and life happens time passes and you forget about that big dream uh, and now that I have a son I'm like oh I really need to think about legacy and what I'm building that maybe one day will benefit him and honestly, Lindsay, I, I don't know yet. Like, I know there's so much more that I could be doing with Dreams and Drive. And I need to take that time to sit down and really map out, like, if I reinvested these funds and really thought about scaling, what could that look like? Maybe it is Dreams and Drive built like I always wanted. Maybe it is like, um, I don't know, like some other product line or something like that. I'm really like stuck there. That's where if I was in your course, you know, we'd have to talk about that because I I don't want Dreams and Drive to die and I don't want it to only be a podcast that comes out weekly, right? I want to be able to grow and get even bigger guests. But I think having a job, I think being a new mom still and just figuring out all that stuff has kind of hindered me or put me in neutral. And I mean, that's the good thing about the podcast, where if there are weeks where I need to just put it on pause, I can just release a, re a replay episode. Like I have 300 episodes. I don't have to put out new content every week. Um, so I'm, I'm figuring that out. I think are you OK being in neutral right now? I'm OK. Honestly, I'm, I'm realizing with self-care, I think we talked about this on my podcast. You have to. I don't want to be stressed, right? Cortisol ruins things in your body and you have to be like 
you have to be, you have to think about what, what really matters. And I think my well-being matters. Like I don't want to just go into this phase where I'm not, I'm doing things because I think I have to and not because I want to. And I want it to be genuine. And like I was talking to you earlier, there are things from my job that are helping me. Like, so for example, you know, I had an intern this summer. I never had an intern before. I had to learn how to delegate, learn how to work. I'm hiring for a coordinator. So now I'm learning how hiring works at a corporate level. I'm learning how to manage. I'm able to take training courses for free with my job, right? So I can be a better leader. But all those skills one day could potentially translate to me in the corporate, I mean, with as an entrepreneur as well. So I see everything as a learning experience. And I'm just hungry for knowledge. So if I can learn something, I know I can always flip it wherever, however I need to, right? So I'm okay with it for now. But What's I do want to been- figure it out. I do. I think I'm a little scared. I think I'm scared. And I've said this to people. And I, I don't think it's conventional. But have you ever heard of the term fear of success? The term what? Say it again. Fear of success. No. So think about it. Like, you know how you have fear of failure? Oh, fear of success. Yes, I understand. I fear what if dreams and drive really grew? Would I be able to handle it? And I speak to people all the time, right? It's so ironic. Like, this is what dreams and drive is about. Like, how people put dreams and drive. But I think sometimes I'm holding back a little bit because it's like, could you handle it right now? Would you really want it, right? What if you became this huge interviewer and all the big names had to come on dreams and drive? Would it be too much for you? And I don't know. And I'm I'm working through that. I think too, part of fear of success for you right now comes from being where you are at your stage in life. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm going to say very honestly, it is okay to be in neutral when you have a little person in your home. And, you know, that little person requires a lot of attention and you also have a job. And so you know, I just share this as advice because like, it is hard to build a company when you have little people in your home that need you physically present. Your, your son needs you physically present. Yeah. When he gets older, he's going to need you mentally present. <laughs> it's different, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. but I, I find it easier to work now. It's harder to leave. Like it's harder to travel. Do you know what I, if that makes yeah. sense? And so the season that you're in right now, I think requires a little bit of neutrality. And, and I'm in a place where a lot of my peers, like we're all in our early forties and our kids are tweens yeah. and they're all in school all day. So you have like this different time, right? Yeah. And I have a lot of friends who have been in neutral for quite some time because it's been easier for them to be in neutral while they have their, while they're dealing with their kids and putting them in school and all the stuff that comes along with it. And now that their kids are bigger, I have, I can't even tell you how many friends I have who are like, I want a new job or I (laughs) want to start something new or like, we're not at, we're not 50. We're not midlife yet. You know, like, so it's like not a midlife crisis, but it's like, now I'm ready to put it in drive. Yeah. And I think, so I think that's okay that you are where you are right now and you will figure it out when the time is right for you. Yeah, and the experience. I'll tell myself that there's so many things that are happening now because of seeds I planted years ago, right? So maybe it's just a season of planting seeds and you don't yet know what type of fruit you're going to produce. Might be apples. It might be, you know, might be tangerines. Who knows, right? So I think I'm okay with that. 
And I think being getting to the point where you're okay with that is when you are able to really then start having movement. Like, listen, this is what it is, and I'm not gonna fight it. But I know that something's coming from it. And like, even a big step for me was hiring an editor, and it became from like my former intern. You know, she was like, "Hey, I edit. You know, I'm looking for. I'm a college student looking for a side hustle while in college." And now I'm at a place where like, oh, wait, now I can like leverage this past relationship that I built. And now you can come where I can help you learn things about this industry that you might want to learn. So I'm happy. And I have the confidence now to do that. I don't think I had the confidence before to like, feel like I could lead her in that way. What has been the best part of this experience for you? I think it's really just seeing possibility. Like I'm somebody who I've been a big dreamer, a big storyteller since I was a kid. And each guest teaches me something new. Like you think that you can't learn something new from people. You think you're going to see the same things over, but there's always something so unique about everyone's journey that I talk to that it just reinstates in me the power of possibility and the power of like your own gifts and what you can do with your life. Like there's no book of how you have to live your life. And you do not know how things will turn out. So just at least try. So that's been the best part, like seeing how things have evolved, seeing how I've evolved, seeing how the podcast has evolved. I'm just proud of where I've grown the show and I'm proud of like the future and what's to come. So so my last question is the question I ask everyone and that okay. is three actionable tips, Raina, that you would give someone who's just starting out. All right. I think the thing about my journey is don't be afraid of rejection. You're going to get people who tell you no, but use that no as a way to get yes. Use everything as a learning experience. Um, Don't forget about the power of planting seeds, building relationships. People and word of mouth will always help you in times where you need it, right? You need people to be your advocates in rooms when you're not even there. So build genuine relationships. Be curious. Reach out to people. and then for you, I think when you're stuck, think about the thing that really lit you out, lit, lit you up as a child, right? And you're like, hey, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't know if this is the right passion. Like, I think about who little Raina was and what that dream was. You know, I wanted to be, I wanted to be a girl band producer. I wanted to like do, I had all these big dreams and look for like the, not exactly what the dream was, but the theme. I love making things. I love like, spotlighting arts and creativity right so I think those are just three things to keep in mind and those are things that I've learned from interviewing guests on my show that I want to share with your audience as well. Raina Campbell founder and host of Dreams and Drive thank you so much for being here this I have learned a lot from this episode and so I know that everyone listening has too I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much, Lindsay. This has been amazing. And, you know, I just want to tell people, as I say all the time in each of my episodes, keep dreaming, keep driving. I told you that you would get so much out of today's conversation. I have a page full of notes that I am going to send out via email. They are all of the takeaways from today's episode. As always, like I said, I will send them to my email list. You're going to want to make sure that you subscribe to the link in the show notes. When you do, I also send out a lesson every week on how to grow your business. But truthfully, when I send out the show notes or the takeaways from this show, it probably is going to be all of Raina's lessons because there are so many. And here are my top five takeaways from today's conversation. Number one, plan ahead. 
know every single week what you need to do with your podcast or your side hustle so that you can plan accordingly. What is the model for execution? Make sure you have the systems in place so that you can accomplish these goals. Number two, create a structure so that you can move down your to-do list. You'll be more effective and efficient the more structure that you have. Number three, there is no balance with being a mom. A strong support system is key. Knowing that you have the help is, is really helpful when you're starting a side hustle and when you are doing two jobs. Number four, guests want to know that you're credible. It's not always the numbers, so you need to make sure that you have other ways to back up that credibility. And number five, think about how you can repurpose your content. You have to be an, an expert, and I, you know this from me as well, in grassroots guerrilla marketing, especially if you don't have a huge budget. There are ways to grow organically, and as you saw in today's episode, that is no lie. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being here. Thank you, Raina Campbell, for sharing your story, your knowledge, and your wisdom. Please make sure you tune in on Tuesday, December 6th for our 100th celebration episode of Dear Founder with a founder who makes celebrating every moment in life her business. I'm so excited for you to hear it, and I'm so excited for you to be here. Thank you so much. 